Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today in, uh, is dedicated in Hoda'at HaShem for the blessed births of our healthy grandchildren and in tribute to our daughters and daughter-in-law who did the heavy lifting. Hazaku Baruch to Gabby and uh, Nancy Kezri and Mazal Tov and congratulations. Bezat HaShem, you should see an uninterrupted string of Simachot. Breakfast in the Class also dedicated in loving memory Lunishmat Menachem Ben Meir sponsored by Jacob Fetusi, as well dedicated in memory of Lou Jerome, sponsored by his son, Joey Jerome. And finally, Week of Cold Brew, sponsored by David E. Ash, in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. My friends, I wanted to share with you uh, a beautiful understanding, a beautiful idea from this week's parasha. The Pasuk says, And I will become sanctified amongst the Jewish people. Literally, this mitzvah is the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem, where we have an obligation not only to ensure that we do not create a chilul Hashem, so there's a negative mitzvah against profaning God's name, and there's a positive mitzvah in sanctifying God's name. <clears throat> so, I want to share uh, an idea, a simple idea, Based on the Gemara Menachot, Baruch Atah Adonai, Lenem Melech Haolam, Shachol Nebaro. The Gemara says, <clears throat> the Jewish people come to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and they say to God, and they say, Hashem, you are my God. Tovati bal alecha. The literal interpretation of the pasuk means <clears throat> that the Jewish people are saying to God, "You are my God, and there's no one like you." Mafi mitlak. That's what they're saying to God. However, the Gemara in Menachot actually gives a different interpretation. The Gemara in Menachot says the first part is the Jewish people speaking. The Jewish people say to God, they say to God, Hashem, you are my God. Hashem, you owe me. Do good to me. Why? Because I have made you known in the world. <clears throat> Jewish people carry the flag. We do the prayers. We let people know about holidays. We nudge non-Jewish bosses about leaving early on Friday. Right? They find out about Judaism and about God through us. God says, My goodness is not on you. Any machzik tova, I do not, I don't feel myself indebted that I need to do good to anybody except for Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Shehodi'uni tehila, that they were the ones who let me be known in the beginning. We see from the Gemara a powerful idea that what the Pasuk is telling, uh, is saying, according to the Gemara and Menachot, is that God is saying, you cannot compare. A person who follows in the path of his forefathers to a person who blazes his own path. Today, when we do the right thing because we were raised the right way, it's a beautiful thing. But you cannot compare it to a person who's doing that action for the very first time, who's creating something new, who's building a new Kiddush Hashem that has never yet existed in the world that we live in. <clears throat> and therefore says the Gemara, any machzik tovah, God says, I give my thanks 
to those who made me known first. Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, each one of them, they suffered in order to be able to bring God's name into the world. And they brought God's name into the world, <coughs> into a world where the concept of a God, a all-powerful, single God did not exist. They lived in a pagan society where everyone had many gods, a God for each flavor of the month, a rain God, a sun God, a wind God, whatever you might have, whatever you might want, there was a God for that thing in their world, in the world that they believed in. Abraham Avinu came along and said, no, there's only one power in the world. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Abraham's calling out in the name of God was something new. Now, I looked at this Gemara and I asked myself a question. If the only person that you give reward to is the person who first came up with the idea, and therefore God is saying, look, I don't feel like I owe Am Yisrael throughout the generations, even if they did great acts of self-sacrifice. I don't feel like I owe them for that. Yeah, You know why? Because they weren't first. The obvious follow-up question is, whenever you say it's obvious and no one knows the obvious question, I kind of feel uh, awkward. What's the obvious follow-up question? Why does God say, any machzik tova, Ela Abraham Yitzhak and Yaakov, he should say Ela Abraham. Yitzhak was second. Yaakov was third. If it's the first person, Hodiuni Techila, so then it should be only Abraham. He was the first. Yitzhak copycat. Yaakov copycat. And if the point is it's the people in the beginning, what about the Shivatim? My friends, <clears throat> I think the answer is very powerful. Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov all blazed their own trail in the bringing of God to this world. Now there are three huge principles that appear time and time again in the process of Emunah and the roadblocks to it. The first idea is that God exists. Abraham's idea was God exists. Who's the creator? This could not have come by itself. There is a creator. That's Abraham's job. Abraham's job was to bring knowledge of God to the world. The second stage was not that there is a God, but that God is involved. God is here. He didn't create the world and then wander off to, uh, to go tour the galaxies with Elon Musk. Okay? God exists and he's present and he cares, he's here, he's looking. It matters to him if you do, if you don't do. It matters if you listen, if you don't listen. That's the second level, Bekerev Haaretz. That was Yitzchak's job. It's interesting to note that Yitzchak in his life, from the moment he was born till the moment he died, never left Eretz Israel, Representing the concept that God is Bekerev Haaretz. He's in the midst of the earth. Hashem is here, and Yitzhak therefore did not leave uh, the land of Israel to illustrate the closeness, the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Finally, Yaakov Avinu describes the third milieu, the third element of God's presence in our world, and that is, En Kamoni Bechol Haaretz. It's not only that God exists, it's not only that He's here, it's that there is no power like Him on earth. Yaakov Avinu in the million different challenges that he had. He lived the most difficult life of the Avot. He was challenged in a way that the other Avot were not challenged. 
<coughs> he had enemies that pursued him, whether it was Lavan or Esav, the story of Yosef, the story of Shechem. It's unbelievable what Yaakov Avinu had to deal with. Yaakov Avinu comes out triumphant. There's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no challenge that is bigger than God. Don't think about how big your problems are. Think about how big your God is. My friends, in that understanding, in that concept, we see that each one of the Avot brought a different concept, different idea down into the world. We find this idea mirrored in the conversation between Moshe and Paro. Paro is the first denier of God in the Torah. Who is this God that I should listen to him? So Moshe needs to painstakingly reconstruct the ideas of, of uh, acceptance of God that were brought by the Avot to the world, that were banged out of society by the evil Paro. And our rabbis tell us those were the three sets of Makot, Ditzach, that God exists, Adash, that God is present, Be'achav, and Kamoni Bechola Aretz. That's why in the end God murders and kills all of the Bechorim, of the evil Egyptians, but also and all of the gods, God punishes stones and wood. What is he doing? Why is he fighting that fight? Because the third idea was that there is no power in this world but God. My friends, I want to add one last piece to this. That means that Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov introduced something new. The Shivatim might have been tremendous tzaddikim. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, Aaron, but they did not bring, they were not first in this concept of Hodioni Ba'olam. They made me known in this world. My friends, at the stage where something is easy, where something, a road has been paved for you, it is wonderful to do those things, but it is not the same as a mitzvah done with misirut nefesh, with a giving over of soul. Now people think Kiddush Hashem, we associate the idea of Kiddush Hashem with dying al Kiddush Hashem. But our rabbis actually tell us that Misirut Nefesh is so multi-leveled and multi-layered that it means anytime you're doing something with any measure of difficulty, the harder the object is to achieve, the more precious it is by God. We read in the Sifarim tremendous Sigulot and everyone today is a segula chaser. You know, they're running after a segula over here, a segula over there, that if you do this, if you go visit that grave, if you say this 10 times. My friends, this, these ideas, what are they based on? When Yonatan ben Uziel said, come pray at my grave in Amukah, and I will go to God and pray for you to find your shiduch. And many people have found tremendous yeshuot in that place. But some people, they say, look, I didn't find any, you know, I went there, I actually know a couple that they both went, they, uh, they went to pray in Amukah, etc., etc. They got married, they both got married a little bit later in the dating process. And one day after they were married already for, I think it was two years, they're having the conversation about how, oh, I, also, I went to Amukah. Oh, you also went to Amukah. Oh, it's so nice. The guy says, look, I have a picture of when I went. He went through, through his album. He opened up the picture of when he went to Amukah with his buddies. He takes a picture and all of a sudden he freezes. He points at the picture. And who's in the picture behind him? His wife. They were both there at Amukah at the same time before they even knew each other. 
So we have these stories of sigulot. So how come they don't always work? And the Sefarim tell us something amazing. Why did Yonatan ben Uziel promise to go pray on behalf of your shiduch prospects in the highest heavens? And our rabbis explain that he himself never was able to marry. He was so connected to Torah, nafshi hashkaba Torah, he felt he would never be able to give uh, what he needed to give to a wife. He couldn't, wasn't be able to do it. So he said, I didn't do this right. I want to help others do it right. But at the time, his burial place was at the bottom, at the bottom of a treacherous hill. To get to Amukah is not easy. You made that journey. You did the, you know, you did the work, so to speak. You placed your bitachon in the idea that getting married is something, a realm, it's in the domain of heaven. So like Moshe Rabbeinu, when he lifts his hands and the Jewish people look up to the heavens and they recognize that victory is in the hands of God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers them. Today, that you could take a helicopter over the mountains, land directly on top of the tziyun, you think that difficulty is there? You put in no effort. Your, 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 the Mesirut Nefesh level is so low that you didn't do anything. There's a famous sigula of donating a certain amount of water to the people that come to Miron on Lag Baomer. El, write about it. At the time, people were trekking up the mountain. It was difficult to get there. And not only that, you had to trek up there with bottles of water for them. Tremendous mission. Now, what do you do? Swiped your credit card. The other guy took a bus in the air conditioning. It's not the same thing. Any Machzik Tova El Abraham Yaakov. For them, they were doing something that was innovative. They had to battle for each step of the way. For them, a machzik tova. We learn inversely from this that Akadosh Baruch Hu, he feels, God forbid, to say these words, but we're using God's own words. He feels indebted to someone who's done something that requires great difficulty, that is new, where they're a trailblazer. There's a young couple who got married with dreams for the future. But no matter what they tried, and no matter how many uh, different treatments they, they went through, they were unable to have children. One day they're reading the Sefer, and they're reading, they see actually this idea brought down from the great Chachamim of our, uh, of our, uh, of our past, that when a person acts with tremendous misirut nefesh, when a person does a mitzvah that is so far beyond the capacity, their ability, beyond their comfort level, when they pull themselves out of beyond their comfort level, they go beyond their nature, Borei Olam responds and does miracles for them that are beyond nature. They sat down, this husband and wife, they'd already given up on having a kid. They sat down and they said to themselves, what mitzvah could I do? What shmirah from an averah could I do that's beyond my nature? They thought, they thought, they thought, he came up with one that was so difficult for him, he couldn't imagine achieving it. She came up with one that was so difficult for her, she couldn't imagine achieving it. They worked on this, my friends. And within two or three months, she became pregnant, miraculously. My friends, birth itself is miraculous. But Boreo Olam sometimes decides that, you know what, I'm going to make miracles on the regular. You'll get married easily. You'll have children easily. But the fact that something happens easily doesn't make it less of a miracle. If something is difficult, it seems beyond nature, beyond our capacity. Now, Sifarim tell us that a person should also try and do something which is beyond their nature. 
Beyond your nature might mean a person who's always lastminute.com deciding they're going to accept Shabbat an hour early. For them, that's like jumping off a bridge. They're always running last minute. To be ready that early, it's so against their grain. A person might decide, you know, even though they're the type of person that holds on to a grudge, that's angry, that, that they're going to give in, that they're going to allow the other person, that they're going to forgive, whatever it might be, if it's so much against your nature, Borei Olam says, Ani machzik tova. I, I, I feel indebted to you for doing something. I want to share a story with you, my friends, whose origin source, it's written in the Or Zarua, it's written in Tanah de Be'eliyahu, it's written as well in the Zohar. <clears throat> the story goes that Rabbi Akiva was once walking, and as he was walking, he saw a man who was black from head to toe, covered in soot, okay? He was naked, and he was running with a tremendous weight on his back, the weight of 10 men. He was running, he was running like he was a horse, not like he was a human. Rabbi Akiva said, Gozrani, I, I declare, I decree upon you that you must stop. The man stops, and Rabbi Akiva says, who are you that you're working this hard? What's your story? So much weight, so fast covered in soot, head to toe, running naked. He felt bad for him. He said, Im eved ata, if you're a servant, ani otcha, I will, I'll go and pay to get you released from your servitude, from your bondage. And if you're poor and therefore you're working this hard, ani otcha, I will make you wealthy. Rabbi Akiva was fabulously wealthy in the end of his life. Okay, the man says, please don't bother me. There's nothing you could do. He says, what do you mean? He says, leave me alone so I shouldn't get in trouble with the ones who are mimunim alai, who are appointed over me. Rabbi Akiva says, what do you mean? He says, met ani. I'm dead. What you're seeing, he said, is something spiritual. You're seeing this vision of me. I am dead. And it is decreed upon me to do this work every day I run and run, I gather all this wood, and after I gather all the wood, they burn me in the wood that I've gathered, in Gehinnam. And he says, and there's nothing you could do, so I don't want to get punished for not fulfilling my daily uh, requirements. There's nothing you could do. Rabbi Akiva said, is there no takana? Did you ever hear a takana in the heavens for what, you are, for what you're going through? He says, I heard something but there's no way it will ever be accomplished. So please let me go. Rabbi Akiva pushes further. What did you hear? He said, I heard that if this man had a son, and the son said Kaddish, and they answered Yehesh Rabbah in the synagogue, if he said Baruchu, and the people answered, Baruch, Baruch Hashem Vorachlan Va'ed, if that happened, then I would be pulled out from my pit of Gehinnam. Wild. But he says, but that will never happen. Because I died without a children, without children. My wife, when I died, was pregnant. And there's not a person on earth who loves me, who would teach my son, even if it was a son. Rabbi Akiva says, what was your job in this world? I love this part of the Tanad Beliau. He says, I was a income tax collector. Gov'e mas 
Okay, this is what he did. But the Tanit Be'el Yahu says how he was cruel about it. He says, what's your name? What was the fellow's name? You're not going to believe this. His name was? Akiva. <laughs> Rabbi Akiva stops this guy. What's the guy's name? Akiva. Where do you live? What's your wife's name? Shashbuna or something like that. Where do you live? In the city of Lutki. Okay? Rabbi Akiva says the Gemara, says the Tanah Beliau, Miyad Nitzta'er Tsar Gadol. He was filled with a tremendous pain for this man. And he said, I'm going to find, I'm going to chase it down. I'm going to see. He lets the man go. He travels to the city. He asks around about this person. The people say his bones should rot in hell, which is exactly what was happening. He asks about the wife. They say, They're all cursing her name. Her name should be erased. He said, Does he have a son? He said, They said, Yes, he has a son. He didn't even have a brit milah, this kid. Rabbi Akiva tracks him down, says the Tanel Beliau. He gives him a brit milah. He sits him down to learn, but the kid, nothing goes in. He was like anti-Torah in his, in his, on his molecular structure. Rabbi Akiva is a great teacher. Nothing is penetrating the child. Ad Shetzam, Rabbi Akiva fasted for this boy 40 days in a row. Think about the empathy of Rabbi Akiva. 40 days in a row until he hears a bat call say, go teach him a Rabbi Akiva. He sits the boy down. He teaches him Torah. He teaches him Yud Chet, the Berachot of Amida. He teaches him to pray. He teaches him Kaddish. According to some opinions, he teaches him Haftarah as well. Finally, the boy says the Haftarah, says the, the Kaddish, says the uh, Baruch They answer it. And in Shamaim, the man is released from his place. He comes to Rabbi Akiva in a dream. And he says, Tanuach da'atecha. In Gan Eden, you should have a tremendous portion in Gan Eden. Because when my son said Aftarah, I was lifted out of the pit. When my son said the Kaddish and they answered, they wiped out my Gezerot. And when my son said Baruch Baruch Shemo, you know, they did even more for me. An alternate version in the Zohar says that Rabbi Akiva taught him Torah to the point where he became called a rabbi. This person, the son of this Rasha, became known as a rabbi. I was one of the Tanaim. And he says that when my son became a rabbi, they put a crown on my head in Gan Eden. This is the, uh, the, the Talad Beliau. Again, mirrored in the Zohar, brought down by the Orzarua. My friends, this idea is teaches us this concept that v'nikdashti b'toch b'nei Yisrael means when a person makes a Kiddush Hashem, when a person causes others to say, Kaddish or Kiddushah. That's also a fulfillment of V'nikdashti B'tok B'nei Israel. But to my mind, I see many, many lessons in this story that rise above the simple understanding of he said Kaddish. They answered Kaddish. Hazaku Baruch. Number one, what was this great tsar that Rabbi Akiva felt? Why did Rabbi Akiva take it so personally? And I think the answer is, that Rabbi Akiva doesn't have Tsar Gadol when he sees this guy running back and forth with the weight that he has compassion. But when does he feel Tsar Gadol? When he hears this man say his name is Akiva. Rabbi Akiva contemplated, this could have been me. We know that in Rabbi Akiva's own life story, he was someone who was not a Talmud Chacham to start with. 
He hated Torah and he hated Talmidei Chachamim. Rabbi Akiva looks at this man and he sees that he was a hated person. He sees that he was a person that was against, that didn't live a life of Torah. He sees that he's a person that doesn't have a single person on earth that loves him. He has no friends on earth. Rabbi Akiva says, that could have been me. Would someone have done this for me? Would someone have felt compassion for my outcast of a son? Or would they have taken revenge on my son because they didn't like me? My friends, Rabbi Akiva did what the Tanaim, what, what Abraham Yitzhak and Yaakov did. He took something which didn't exist. He paved a path that no one had trod down. No one gave this kid a chance. They didn't even give him a Brit Milah. By the way, the Halakha is a child. Who's the mitzvah of Brit Milah on? The father. If it's not on the father, who does it fall on? The son himself. If the son doesn't do it, whose mitzvah is it? The bet deen of the city. It's the community's job. That community, it's a communal responsibility. They didn't even give him Brit Milah out of the hatred they had for his father and his mother. Rabbi Akiva did what literally, Tehiyata Metimir. My friends, there are times when a person can do a mitzvah in this world where they're just carrying on something that somebody else did. But there's also a tremendous idea when you push yourself beyond your comfort zone. It's not that someone called you, asked you for a donation, you said yes. It's when you set it up yourself. It's when you push in the donation to do more than you're comfortable giving. It's when you do, you make an ask, you make a phone call to someone to ask for money. I don't like asking anybody for anything, Rabbi. That's why you should do it. Because you don't like it. Because it's not comfortable. Because you don't feel like a hero. You feel uh, like a zbale. When you feel that way, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, for me, for you, machzik tova. I owe you one. Is there anyone on earth you'd rather owe you one than Borei Olam? You need a miracle? Do a miracle. You do a miracle in your own ma'asim tovim, in your own mitzvot. HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds midak ineged midak in kind. But it's interesting to think that we carry the miracle wand potentially in our own hands. And when we do, Borei Olam mirrors us and he does. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.